This morning is fifth Sunday, when there's five Sundays in the month. We have the joy of our kids in service, so our kids are in here with us today. i got to get all my stuff together. Kids, I need all the kids, and then I need everyone under 12 to come up here for a second. The adults aren't going to listen to us talking right now. I just need to talk to you guys real quick. Guys, here, listen. I just made a mess. Did you see my mess? Who up here is the quicker picker-upper? You know what I mean? Like you think you can pick things up quicker than everybody else. Some of y'all might ask your parents or your grandparents who the quicker picker-upper is, and they may tell me a different story. And everybody knows pastor can't stand still when he preaches. So I'm probably going to trip and fall. So, Barrett, can you do me a favor? I'll give you a quarter, and you can get my mess cleaned up. Will that work? Okay, so I got Barrett. Barrett's going to get a quarter for getting my mess cleaned up. You guys just go sit down. Barrett, I need you to come up here and help start cleaning up my mess. Everybody else, go sit down. And I'm going to make this worth your quarter. I'm going to make a mess. I mean, if, if I'm giving you a quarter, we're going to do this right. That was real easy before. Barrett, I got a quarter in my pocket with your name on it. You just got to get my mess cleaned up. All right. Pastors. Keep going, Barrett. You got to clean that mess up. So Barrett's going to get my mess cleaned up, so I know it's going to be challenging to pay attention to Pastor Steve while Barrett's doing an incredible job cleaning up the mess. There's some down there. There's some over there. There's some in your ears. There's some in your hair. I'm Dr. Seuss this morning. Anyway, I want to preach a message this morning. We've been looking at, just ignore the the mess, we've been looking at a a story in Exodus chapter 34 where God is speaking to Moses. And in this story, God is doing something profound with Moses. And if you'll recall, in Exodus 34, Moses has asked God this simple request, I want to see your glory. That's all Moses has asked. He said, I want to see your glory. And so when God began to speak to Moses, he told him to go on the mountain, hide his face in the mountain, and he would reveal his glory. Yes, sir. You got a penny. Come put it in the bucket. I love kids. Sometimes we got to work on the discipline of focus. That's what's happening this morning. And so anyway, Moses, God, he goes to the mountain. God says to him, hide your face in the mountain. And the glory of God is, is, is revealed. My premise, the, the, the reality of this message has been one that says that, that God's glory was revealed in his physical presence. Yes, he allowed the train of his garment to go by. But his glory is revealed in his word, in what God said. And God, for a reason, he introduced himself. He began to talk about his character. God began to show us who he was as he appeared. I don't believe I'm working yet, Irene. And so in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, it says, He, being Moses, or he being God, passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, 
compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. And I think most of us wanted to stop there. Like, this is good. I mean, I like the God that's being announced right now. Who is he? He's the Lord, the Lord. That means that God is, he was, he always will be. It means he's gracious and compassionate. He's, a, he's gracious and merciful. He gives us what we don't deserve, and he doesn't give us what we do deserve. Guys, i got to pause. Elliot Barrett needs some help. Can you help Barrett clean up the mess? Okay, Elliot, come on, help him. You help him get the mess cleaned up. So anyway, so, so, so God, Elliot, I'm going to give you a fair day's wage, okay? All right. I don't know what that means, Dad. So anyways, so, so God has declared these things, and we love the God who is gracious and merciful, the God who is patient. I mean, who doesn't love to hear about a God who is patient? And who doesn't love to hear about a God who is abounding in love and faithfulness? And, and we love these sermons. I mean, as a pastor, these sermons are easy to preach. But suddenly, every Sunday, I've read these verses. And I get to this part that was underlined in this verse. I'm still not working. If we can go back to that verse in Exodus chapter 34. Yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. And I've gotten to that part every Sunday, and you kind of just want to read real fast when you get to that part. Like, yeah, let's focus on the other stuff, but he punishes the guilty, but you know, the kids, the grandkids, fourth, fourth generation, blah, blah, blah. I mean, we're done, so now let's preach on the good stuff. And it really kind of is the, the, the synopsis or the understanding of the contemporary church. We like to talk about the God who is loving, who is gracious, who is patient. But when it comes to talking about the God who punishes the guilty, sometimes we start to get uncomfortable. And we start using the truths of God. Every one of these is an absolute truth of God. God is. He is gracious. He is merciful. He is loving. He is faithful. He is patient. And what have we heard? Now, we've heard this. It's coming into the church today. If God is loving, well, there's no if there. God is absolutely loving. Then a loving God wouldn't punish someone by sending them to hell. And it's coming to the church like we've, we've got to that reality that a loving God just won't send people to hell. And so we're changing what God declared. Everything that God declared when he spoke to Moses was an absolute truth to his character. I mean, you talk about, I talked about record scratches with Hosea last week in the love story. Talk about a record scratch. God is loving, abounding in love and faithfulness. Forgiving to thousands of generations. Yeah. But he punishes the guilty. You're on the wrong sermon right now, Irene. It's in Dropbox. God is just. And so he punishes the... See, that's what happens. We don't want this sermon. We don't want to hear about a God who is just. 
Let's go back, Pastor, to abounding love and faithfulness. We know where you're at this morning. Let's go back there. The reality absolutely is that God is is just. And we've looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, each time. We who, with unveiled faces, we contemplate the Lord's glory. We're being transformed into His image with an ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We like looking at the mirror of love. We like contemplating God's patience. We like contemplating God's forgiveness and His faithfulness. But what about when we look at the God who is just. Because I believe that God gave every aspect of his character because each one is profound for you and I. We need a God who is just. We need to look at the God who is just. The God who punishes the guilty. It's a part of who God is. And I'm still not working, so you just got to keep up with me, Irene. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4. It says, he is the rock. This is Moses, by the way. This is Moses' song at the end of his life. These are the words that Moses sings about God. He doesn't just sing about the God who is loving. He is the rock. His works are perfect. All his ways are just. Now, what has Moses seen God do? Yeah, he's seen God part the Red Sea. He's seen God provide miraculously. But he also watched God give a plague to the people who worship the calf. Remember that? And he said, all his ways are just. A faithful God who does what? Who does no wrong. That's who this God is. And upright and just is he. Genesis chapter 18. Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember that story? We all like to talk about that story because we really feel good when God sends fireballs from heaven and destroys an entire group of people. Abraham and God are talking, and, and if you go to that verse, Genesis chapter 18, verse 25, said, Far be it for you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Abraham says, I know who you are, God. Will not the judge of all the earth do what is is right. Remember, in this story, he says, if there's 50 righteous, if there's 45, if there's 40, if there's 30, if there's 20, if there's 10, God, would you do this? Knowing who God is, is powerful in life. Graham, my workers are getting sidetracked. Can I hire you to come help them? You guys, this mess has got to get cleaned up. We've got to get this taken care of. Psalm chapter 97, verse 1. It says, the Lord reigns, let the earth be glad. Let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness, they surround him. Righteousness and justice are the what? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. Fire goes before him. It consumes his foes on every side. This sounds like the loving, gooey-gooey God we like to talk about, right? No, God is absolutely just. Fire goes before him. It consumes his foes on every side. His lightning lights up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness and all peoples see his glory. Where are they seeing his glory? It's not just in the physical manifestation of God, but it's in the God who is right and just. All who worship images 
are put to shame. He punishes the guilty. And those who boast in, in, in idols, who worship, worship him, all you God. See, the reality is God is, is just. God is absolutely just. Levi, they're going slow, buddy. Got to get this taken care of quick. You're hired. Billy Graham said it like this. So this is Billy Graham. Modern man doesn't like to think of God in terms of wrath, anger, and judgment. He likes to make God according to his own ideas and give God characteristics he wants him to possess. You see, a lot of times what we do is we start to allow what we want God to be. So I want a loving God. I want a dad who doesn't punish me. I want a dad who tells me I can have candy when I want it. I want a dad who tells me I can have popsicles before supper. I want a dad that does everything that I want. That's what I want. And Billy Graham saying, you know, too often we've allowed God to be defined by just the things that we like, the things that maybe make sense to us. But God has absolutely defined himself as one who punishes the guilty. There's something that happens when we contemplate God's glory revealed in his justice. My God is just. There was a story that I read about a college professor. He was an Old Testament theology professor, and he started his class this year, and he said to his class, Kylie, they're really going slow. Can, can I hire you? Come on. We've got to get this taken care of. Seriously, this mess. Story of an Old Testament theology class. Professor started his class. The first day he said, hey, class, there were 250 kids in his class. He said, I'll tell you what. I'm going to give you the key to my class. There will be three papers in my class. They will be due at, due at noon on a specific day, one in September, one in October, one in November. He said, I will tell you this. If you do not get the deadline, if you turn your paper in late, no requests, you get an F. That's it. So it says, that professor, the first day, when the papers were due, 200 of the 250 students brought their, their papers in, gave them to the professor. The other 50, what happens? When you don't do your homework, what do you do? They looked at the professor and they said, man, we tried. We just didn't get time. We were working on it, but, but Tanner was doing welcome week and we didn't have time because they were playing these cool games and eating popsicles. I had brain freeze. I didn't know what to do. And so the professor said that first week, that first due date, he said, all right, you guys, you can turn your papers in still. So comes October. Next paper's due. Due date comes. 150 students come in this time with their papers. I might have these numbers skewed. 100 didn't. And they begged. Oh, professor, we know you're a good man. Let us see your grace. Oh, no, this is mercy. Let us get... What we don't deserve. Let us be able to turn this, this paper in. And the professor did it. He let him do it. So come November, the third paper, the final grade for the course is due. A hundred kids come in with their paper. A hundred and fifty don't have their paper. And they begin to just expect. And the professor starts looking at those who didn't hand their papers in. 
I need help. Can I hire you? They're going slow. Can you get the rest of this mess cleaned up? So the students looked at the teacher, and the teacher began to say their names. And he said, Sherlock, F. Rabin, F. Wit, F. And Mike Wit heard his name called, and he said, wait a minute, this isn't right. You've given us grace every time. Why, why am I getting an F this time? It's not fair. We understood you to be gracious and merciful. And now, all of a sudden, you're going to hold me to account? You're going to give me an F? And the professor looked at him and he said, Mike, do you want me to do what's right? Because you didn't turn your paper in last time either. So I'll give you two Fs and you'll fail the course. And Mike was suddenly okay with just the one F. You see, sometimes we define God by our situations. And we like when we're shown mercy and grace. We like when God is patient and abounding in love. But sometimes God absolutely punishes the guilty. Sometimes God is true to his word. There's a story in Matthew chapter 20 that's been illustrated all morning. It's a story about a landowner who had a field and he had some work that needed to be accomplished. And so he went out and he had to find some place, some people, because he made a mess. And he looked for someone and he hired them. And he, and he said, Barrett, will you do me a favor? i got a job for you. I'll give you a denarius if you come work for me. I think i got a kid up here that I didn't even hire. I'm pretty sure I did not hire that kid right there. I'm going to show you a just God in a little bit. One, two, three, four, five, six. I think we're good. And so this guy said, I got work to do. And, and he went out and, and he hired someone to do his work for him. And that individual began to work. And then later on, he went out back again to the town square. He saw people standing around and he hired someone else. They came and worked for him. About 3 o'clock, he goes out again. He sees more people who, who, are, who are without work. And he says, hey, why don't you come work for me? And they come work for him. And then he goes out about 5 o'clock. I mean, seriously, closing time's 5.30, right? I mean, we live in a small town. Everything shuts up at 5. And he goes and hires one last person. Trevor, will you come work for me? Trevor's going to come work for me. He was smarter than the rest of the... I wasn't planning on that piece of the equation. (laughs) But he better get here quick or he's not going to get here before payment time. I'll just say that too. (laughs) And so he went out and he hired some other people who were still standing around with nothing to do. And at the end of the day, time's up. The bell's going off. It's time to go home. You guys are all off. Everybody's done. You're done with your job. And it said that the, that the landowner, he went to pay wages to those who worked for him. Trevor, you're first. Because the first one I pay is the last one who worked. 
And so that landowner, he went to the last one at work. He said, I'll give you a denarius or a quarter for your hard work today. Go buy some bubble gum. I should have waited to do the change offering. Man. Hey, guys, the, the whistle's gone off. Kylie, it's time for you to get paid. You get a quarter. Everybody line up. It's time for payments. We're done working. Hey, wait, you were one of the last ones. You get a quarter. Barry's sitting here hearing about all these people getting quarters. Levi, you're done. Come get your quarter. Man, I'm going to have a great illustration for justice in just a moment. Woo! It's going to be a tough one. You get a quarter. You see, I'm I'm honoring my word, but Barrett's sitting over here the whole time thinking, man, I've been working since the morning. It was 102 degrees outside today. I was out sweating. Pastor made the biggest mess. I picked up all the heavy buttons. I was picking them up one by one with my fingers. They got blisters on my fingers from all the hard work I'm doing today. And he gave, he gave everybody else a quarter. He gave Trevor a quarter. Trevor like got a broom and Lenny got done. And Barrett's over there thinking, man, Graham, come here. You're done. Go sit down. Levi, you're done, buddy. I already paid you, right? Elliot, come here. You're done. Here's your quarter. Barrett, come here. You're done. Now, I need you to make a mean face. Make a mean face. Pow. Act like you're upset. I know your parents will tell me you can get a lot worse than that. Justin, I need you to go sit down now. And people, we we read this story. It's a story. There's a broom in my way now, Trevor. And we wonder, how is this this fair? I mean, everybody was called to work, and God would, would bless the one who worked more with more. And the landowner says, you might say this is unfair. Go to the next slide, please. Actually, go to the last slide. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give to the one who was hired last the same I gave to you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. God is just. God will do what he said he will do. Sometimes when we see God do what he said he would do, even though we agreed to it, even though we signed up for it, we start to allow these doubts to begin to whisper in us. And if God is a loving God, man, he's really going to bless me now. And if God is a loving God, then he's going to take care of me. And if he's abounding in love and faithfulness, I'm not getting the denarius. I'm getting the Corvette by the end of this day. That's what we start to do. And God does what he said he would do. And we're disappointed with the God who is faithful. Listen. God is just. Not right now, son. Oh, your brace. 
God is, is absolutely just. Please go sit down, son. I'm going to read this because I got it in italics and underlined in my notes. That meant it was important for me to remember. Sometimes we can get so comfortable with the grace and love of God, we ignore his justice and fall into a pattern of sin that we justify, which is destructive and dangerous. I'm going to read that again because it's profound. Sometimes we become so comfortable with the love and the grace of God that we ignore his justice. That is the God who will do what he says is does will. That is the God who absolutely punishes the guilty. We ignore his justice and we fall into a pattern of sin because we say, hey, God is, is immensely patient with me. So it's okay if I keep doing these things. God has shown me his grace time and time again. So it's okay if I continue to fall down this pattern. We continue in sin until it becomes destructive not just for you but for you your kids their kids and their kids to come that's what god says he knows that the sin you're causing it's not that god is punishing you for the effect of sin what is it now sin right sin's bad do we all understand that this morning god doesn't like sin god detests sin so what does god say about sin sin's going to lead you where It's going to lead you to hell. Hell is a real place. Hell is a place that God talks about. It's not something that man made up. It's something that God declared. The punishment for sin is what? Death. That's the absolute truth. Sin causes death. That's sin. That's death that is eternal. And that's death that is now. Let me tell you, if you're in sin, it's affecting your kids and your grandkids. Huh? The devastation that's caused by that sin in your life, it transforms you and it has an effect on your kids and grandkids and their grandkids. That's what we're talking We're not talking about a generational curse right now. We're talking about the effect of sin in your life. That when there's sin in your life, it affects you, it affects your kids, it affects your grandkids. God is just. He's a God who... Who, who does punish. Hebrews chapter 10. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. These are the verses that we don't read. We want the one where it says he's abounding in love and wants to forgive. The reality is there's an account for your sin that will be paid. Only a fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely? God is just. Listen to this. How much more severely? Do you think someone deserves to be punished who's trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that has sanctified them and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? I want to contemplate 
the glory of God. I want to think about these verses. I want to think about the God who is just. And I want to put myself in this position. Am I the one he's talking to that's trampled the Son of God? Am I the one he's talking about that has took for granted the blood of the covenant which says I was sinned? Because God said that for the forgiveness of sin, there had to be the shedding of blood. That's what it was. God is just, and because he's just, he sent his son to die. So that's, that's this new covenant that we had. The blood of Jesus could then forgive our sin. In Romans it says we're no longer slaves of the law, but we're slaves of the Spirit. And Paul says, what should I do? Should we continue sinning so grace can abound all the more? He says, no. When I look at a God who is just, I recognize, he said the guilty would be punished, but the punishment was taken through Jesus Christ. Listen, when you allow a pattern of sin in your life, when you justify a pattern of sin in your life, you're taking for granted the price that was paid so you could be set free from that sin. I'm not saying that we're perfect, and I'm not saying that I don't make mistakes today. I'm not saying that I won't make mistakes in a few moments. But what I'm saying is when I begin to justify the sin in my life, I need the understanding that God will punish the guilty. And if I haven't applied the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to my life, if I'm not living in the new creation that he's called me to be, I'm going to stand guilty. You guys can come forward. I need to wipe my brow. Listen. Moses in Exodus, or God in Exodus chapter 34, revealed his glory. The glory that God revealed absolutely was his his supremacy, his sovereignty, that he is the God who was, is, and always will be. It absolutely is the God who is full of grace and mercy. He is gracious and compassionate. It absolutely is true that God is slow to anger. He's, he's patient with you and I. It's absolutely true that God is abounding in love and faithfulness. He's pursuing us that we would stop falling down that same hole that we've fallen in. He's pursuing us so that we would know Him and we would know His Son. He's faithful to us even when we're screwing up. But the reality is He didn't stop there. He said the guilty will be punished. There's no way for us to understand the nature of God apart from the justice of God. We serve a God who loves us. He loves us enough to punish us. He's just. God is just. And I'll tell you what, I'm not the greatest at home. I'm more like that professor that shows grace time and time again. And I've had the experience with my children where they're punished and they don't think they should be punished because I've always showed them grace. And I think we do that with God all the time. Suddenly, because we don't understand that God is just, we start to question everything else about who God is. And we start to say, man, this isn't fair. Ryan got more than me. This isn't fair. I got what I deserve, but you didn't do this last time. 
And we start to redefine the glory of God, which has been revealed into something that is not. I will say this. The love of God is not understandable without the justice of God. We can't understand his grace unless we have a knowledge of of his truth or his righteousness. God is just. I bet if there was a fourth paper. Everyone turned that paper in because they recognized he is just. I'm going to pray. Father, I I thank you this morning for your truth. And God, I thank you for the glory of God which, which has been revealed. God, as excited as I am about a God who loves me, who is gracious and compassionate, who is, who is showing me grace and mercy and, and patience and faithfulness. God, I want to think about a God who is just. The God whose words are absolutely true. God, you will not lie. It is Moses said, Even though I've witnessed the God who is just, I know my God does what is right. God, if we need a sober reminder of your justice, help us to look at the sacrifice that was paid. The Son of God which was sent to die for for the payment for our sins so that we could be fully forgiven. And if we're justifying rather than being justified. If we're allowing ourselves to continue in sin so that grace can abound all the more, God, I pray for a revelation of your glory. I pray that we would see a God who is just, a God who is true to his words. And as we contemplate your glory, we would be transformed, God, We would be changed because we recognize who you are. It's not justice apart from love. It's not justice apart from grace and mercy. It's God who is working in me and through me. God, I pray that we would know have we trampled the Son of God underfoot? Have we treated as unholy the blood of the new covenant? Have we taken for granted God's word and His justice? And if, God, we have, I pray for the heart of repentance in this place. God, I know you are faithful to forgive. I know even if we've struggled, God, with a pattern of sin in our life, that the beauty is you sent your son to die once and for all. And we can repent from that sin and be set free from the punishment of God. We can stand before you innocent, not guilty, because of the blood of the Lamb. No more shame in me because of what Jesus Christ accomplished. No more fear of what might come because of who I am in Him.
Let us be transformed by your glory. In Jesus' name. I'm going to have them sing this song, and I'm going to encourage you to think about your life. But think about a God who is just first. And God is just, and so that means he's true to his word. He's faithful to forgive. If you need to ask forgiveness, it's as simple as confessing and acknowledging and saying, God, I want to change. God, the price has been paid. Forgive me of that sin. God is faithful to forgive. God is just. He is right, and what he does is good. You know, in this room, I just encourage just that personal evaluation. You know, God, you know my heart. You know my struggles. You know my vices and devices. And if there's anything in you that, that, that stands against the knowledge of God, it's, it's as simple as asking Him to forgive. That's, that's what we need to do. We need to acknowledge it, not justify it and say it's okay, not, not continue in it because God's going to forgive you tomorrow, but accept the fullness of His glory today. We're saying, give us clean hands. God, purify me by the blood of the Lamb. Give me a pure heart. It can only come through the grace and the goodness of God. It can only come through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the blood of Christ that cleanses me from all unrighteousness. God, I pray that in this room we repent. God, I pray that in this place we can confess, we can acknowledge, and we can accept your glory in our lives. Because you're good. And you're with us. I'm going to ask you to sing that, Oh God, let us be, uh, or no, the, give us clean hands and give us your hearts again. And as we sing that, I pray this would be your prayer. It's not just words that we're singing, but it's your prayer this morning that God, he could give you clean hands and he would give you a pure heart. That's his promise to you, his children. Because of a position of need in our lives. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, may he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may the promise the truth, the postulate, the guiding fact of God that He is just help you be transformed in how you live each and every day. Amen? Be blessed.